In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda under www.cinda.org. Now, we don't only bring you thought leaders from all over the world, but we also have listeners from all over the world. So, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from. And if you're new to the show, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations um, to other issues such as leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. And if you miss us live, don't worry. We're all over the net on Apple, on Google, on Stitcher, on Spotify. Just put in Leadership Beyond Borders and you will find us. I also invite you to connect with me. Please send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Let me know what you want to hear about on this show. I'd love to get an email from you. But if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is interested national or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now today, we're going to have a thought-provoking discussion on a subject that is very dear to me. Now most of us believe in fostering a diverse and inclusive community where everybody's perspectives are valued and appreciated. However, unconscious bias although very often unintentional, can significantly impact decision-making processes, hiring processes, overall cultural. It can lead to unspoken tensions and disengagement that can be negatively impact performance, and in particular to the underrepresentation of minorities such as women, people of different ethnic origins, people with disabilities, minority sexual orientation, and many others. Today, we're going to speak with an expert who helps people and organizations understand and address unconscious bias in order to create more equitable and inclusive workplaces and society. Our guest today is Buki Mosaku, and he is the CEO of the London-based Diversity City Think Tank, the world's most leading workplace bias navigation expert. Now, Buki has cracked the code for calling out unconscious bias in the workplace and stopping it in its tracks. With he, he details this in his new book, I Don't Understand Navigating, I Don't Understand Navigating Unconscious Bias in the Workplace. His book is accumulation of more than two decades of working with, observing, and interacting with over 50,000 individuals throughout the world as a consultant, communications expert, trainer, and coach. Buki, welcome to the show. Ah, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Kimberly. Yeah. yeah. So first, just on the book, what made you say, I have to 
put this down for people to read it, I have to write a book. What made you, you know, you know motivate you to get this book out there? Well, look, you know, as you um, sort of correctly explained, you know, I've been in consulting for coming into my 23rd year now. And um, uh, in doing, in the process of consulting, what I found, you know, especially when I started my own business, was that um, uh, sometimes I, I was exposed to unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, being an ethnic minority, when people hear that, they immediately assume that, oh, I was on the receiving end of bias mm-hmm. towards me, racial bias. But in actual fact, um, sometimes it was towards me, but sometimes I realized after it was me towards uh, the majority. And I'll give you an mm-hmm. example. So sometimes I'd be trying, I'd, I'd go for a deal and do some business and, um, I would sense that there was sort of some kind of unfavorable bias towards me and um, and I, that I wouldn't get the business. And it was because of my difference. It was because of my race and ethnicity. And then what would happen is like, you know, and in, in my mind, I'd be really cursing these people out, you know, the decision mm-hmm. maker or decision makers uh, uh, for being biased towards me, perpetrators of bias towards me. But then maybe like two weeks later, I'd get a call and they say, Bookie, we loved what you were doing. We really want to talk to you. We really want to do business with you. And I think, oh my gosh, you know, I, you know, uh, thank God people can't read minds. You know, if they heard what I was talking about them, they wouldn't be saying that. And then they get the business. So I was thinking to myself, oh my gosh, you know, like you know. Um, so this was like a, a confusion for me, and I really didn't understand, right? And then the other thing is that when I was correct, and I did sense bias towards me, um, correctly. Um, career or business stifling bias towards me. Um, the overwhelming feeling in my mind in that moment was, I just can't believe that people could be so uh, insensitive. I just can't believe or I just don't understand the injustice of this behavior. Can you believe? I just really just don't understand how awful this is. And uh, I kept on saying, I don't understand. So the combination of this kind of immediate, I don't understand internal response, internal dialogue, um, calling it in as opposed to calling it out and my misinterpretation of bias towards me led to the title of my methodology, which was mm-hmm. I- IDU, which stood for I don't mm-hmm. understand. And ultimately yeah. the title of my book, I don't understand navigating unconscious bias in a workplace. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that, that's a really great story and example. And um, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about IDU in a few minutes, but yeah. I, I just have a question for you. I mean, we are in the year 2024, and in and, and the last few years, um, there's been so much emphasis on diversity, inclusivity. So, you know, why is it still so prevalent? The, the, like, the reason it's prevalent is because it's not that people aren't tuning in to this kind of focus around this area, but that what people don't understand or, or people don't ab- appreciate or are unconscious or not aware, unconsciously not aware of, is that um, we as human beings are hardwired to be biased. We're hardwired mm-hmm. to put people into boxes based on a conditioned view of that group. This is what mm-hmm. we're hardwired to do. So you can't eradicate bias. Right? Mm-hmm. You can't eradicate it. And uh, one of the problems, as I'm sure we'll go on to find out, is that uh, uh, in spending inordinate amounts of time trying to eradicate something that can't be eradicated is actually a waste of time. What we need to mm-hmm. do is navigate it. Like, I don't know if you do sailing, 
Kimberly. Have you ever said Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Actually, oh, do? a big sailing feeling. Yep, a <laughs> big sailing feeling. I can't believe family. it, because I always <laughs> ask this, and everybody says no, right? So I'm glad yeah. you do, right? So you're going to understand I, this. I, I grew <laughs> up in Rhode Island, so. Oh, <laughs> perfect. So, like, sailing can be a tough sport, right? There are, there are constants there, like um, rough yeah. waves, the current, the wind, the snow if it's snowing, rain. All of these can derail your trip, Right. But people still get to their destinations and have been for hundreds and thousands of years, right? Regardless of these constants that are there that could thwart their trip. How do they do that? You know, unless you can call on celestial powers, you can't stop it raining, right? But people still navigate rough waves and current. Mm -hmm. How do they do that? They do it through navigation, not trying to eradicate it. And it's exactly the same thing as bias. You can't eradicate it. It's inevitable, especially in the workplace place so what we need to do is equip people with skills to navigate it like a sailor navigates uh the sea as you know (laughs) yes yes absolutely and you know i so i guess that kind of goes with you know i know you've been quoted a lot lately in in um daily mail daily express as quoting that anti-bias training is ineffective and counterproductive so it's probably talking to you talking about what you're saying now, right? Um, So many companies, they they put so much money in this and they they say, you know, so talk to me about why the training is not, you know, effective. So it's well-meaning and it's good that people are doing it, but the problem is they're not doing it effectively. The problem is Mm -hmm. is that there is, you know, 99.999999% of organizations throughout the world have a lifelong subscription to something which I describe as the guilty perpetrator versus hapless victim model. That is that there there are these people who look a certain way, walk and talk a certain way, they are the guilty perpetrators of bias, right? Mm -hmm. And there are these people who look a certain way and walk and talk a certain way, and they are the hapless victims of bias. And in order for the hapless victims' life to get better, the the traditional guilty perpetrator has to change. Now, and Mm -hmm. so what they do is they spend inordinate amounts of time trying to change themselves, trying to correct, self-correct and cleanse themselves of biases and and interrupt their biases, right? But the problem is when you're spending inordinate amounts of time doing that, you're trying to eradicate something which can't be eradicated. So that's the first problem, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which means that you're wasting your time and money. Right. If you spend inordinate amounts of time on it. The second problem is um, uh, is that when you do that, you're you're, you're also reinforcing to yourself that you are the guilty perpetrator by default. Right. And that the minority and marginalized group are are victims, you know, because if you're a guilty perpetrator, you must be there must be somebody who's a victim of your guilt. And that would be Mm -hmm. the traditional uh, 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 minority uh, uh, or, or, or marginalized group mm-hmm. member. Yeah. And as a result of that, you, you encourage them to see you as a guilty perpetrator, whether you are or not, and you encourage them to be reliant on you to change. So whilst mm-hmm. you think you're doing the right thing, right, you're actually creating an exclusive club where you're saying, okay, we are the reason because of things that have happened historically, because of the system that we're tied into, um, which is designed to hold people back and et cetera, et cetera. We are the guilty perpetrators. And so um, in order for your life to get better, we need to change. And so you you just sit there. Don't worry. We've got your back. We're going to sort this out. That sounds like a good thing. 
But actually, what mm. you're doing is creating an exclusive club and you're excluding the minorities and the marginalized group from the resolution model. Instead, mm-hmm. what we should be doing is have a, a, is in, an inclusive approach where we include them. So they have as much of a role in dismantling career-stifling bias as the majority has as much as a role. In other words, they mm-hmm. should be able to call it out when they sense bias. And also, the majority should be able to call them out when they sense bias. And then we'll dissipate the problem. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, it's funny when you say that, because I remember um, I just got in my head years ago. I think it was probably 10, 15 years ago. Um, I, I was at some kind of seminar for unconscious bias, and they gave you a list. Um, and it had, like, a bunch of countries. They weren't just European countries, but um, and then they asked you to come up with the one word you think when you see that company and the country. Mm. You know what I mean? And then they made us all feel so guilty. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, it's like you're you're, for, you're forced yeah. to come up with a word, and yeah. then after you're told, you know, oh, that's horrible. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know, I know. Yeah, it's like the implicit so, association this, test by Harvard. Yeah, I yeah, hope you didn't just, go to Harvard. Uh, no, no. Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Maybe, maybe that's where I got. Maybe that's where I took it. Okay. So, yeah. Um, uh, Wookie, we're gonna take a we're gonna take a short break, and when we come back, um, I want to dive into like how we navigate it, and you know, what are some of the the obstacles in the workplace, and um, and dive a little bit into what you talk about in your book. Yeah, um, okay. because I, I love the book and for our listeners, definitely get the book. And for our listeners today, we're talking with uh, Buki Mosaku, and he's the CEO of the London-based Diversity City Think Tank. And he is one of the leading workplace bias navigation experts. And he has cracked the code for out, you know, calling out unconscious bias in the workplace and stopping it. And it's in his book, I Don't Understand, Navigating Unconscious Bias in the Workplace, and it is available on Amazon. And you can also go to his website under www.bukimosaku.com, and that is M-O-S-A-K-U, okay? And go to his website and learn about him and his think tank, and he's also on LinkedIn. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest-growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations, and they hold virtual pieces of training. They do conferences, market research, and legislative white papers focused on digital. So they also have conferences, and the next conference is being held in May, May the 15th in Berlin, Germany. And they also have a really interesting platform for founders and entrepreneurs under Cinda for Startups. And this is free and it takes entrepreneurs or founders from idea to exit. And it's available to every founder for no cost. So please go to www.cinda.org and take a look at that platform. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. 
How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Anyone can learn the keys to success from podcasts, TED Talks, and other forms of media. But what you really don't learn is the failures that lead up to that point. Join David Chavez on the Strategy Sherpa Show as he and notable business leaders have that discussion and teach you how valuable it is to learn from your failures. The Strategy Sherpa Show, Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Hello and welcome back. I'm Kimberly Lewis and you're listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. And today we're talking about unconscious bias and we're talking with an expert. Uh, Buki Mosaku is the CEO of the London-based Diversity City Think Tank and he's one of the world's leading workplace bias navigation experts. And he's written a book which is available on Amazon. It's called I Don't Understand, Navigating Unconscious Bias in the Workplace. So um, Buki, before the pause, we um, you know, we were kind of just you know talking about why it's still out there, okay, and how we humans are hardwired for it. Um, but it, I want to go a little bit in your book because you talk about two different kinds of biases. You talk about directional and reverse bias. So can you explain those two terms and what the difference is? Yeah. So look, you know, that's a really good question, Kimberly. Like the, there are two, I always say that there are two forms of bias. And I say, I always say, this is an absolute, there are two mm-hmm. forms of bias. So directional bias is the one that we're all familiar with. That is when you uh, sense uh, bias towards you because of your race and ethnicity, your gender, mm-hmm. your age, your mm-hmm. sexual orientation, your socioeconomic back- background, that's bias towards you. Right. And that's what I describe as directional bias. But there's Mm -hmm. also another form of bias, which is um, what I describe as reverse bias. And that's when you misinterpret sensed or actual unfavorable decisions and behaviors towards you as driven by unconscious bias. You know, in that moment, when you misinterpret those behaviors or decisions, then you become the perpetrator. And the traditional Mm. perpetrator becomes the victims. And that Mm -hmm. is reverse bias. And the question that you have to ask yourself when you miss, when a person misinterprets behavior towards them as driven by unconscious bias is what causes it. And what causes Mm -hmm. it is um, hearsay about the person and the group that 
that the, the person is from, that they're sensing bias from. Past experience with people that look like or have the same characteristics from that person, right? And a wider right. narrative, a wider narrative about that person's group. So we shortcut to that, and that becomes the, the traditional um, victim's bias. So they become the perpetrator. And uh, the other person becomes the victim of their of their bias, regardless of seniority. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a real. I I never. It makes a lot of sense. And uh, you know, for our listeners, I'm just going to. Years ago, when I was uh, in a group of companies, and I was the only female on the board. Okay, and sometimes. Um, there was directional bias, but a lot of times, you're right. I would just look at the group and say, hey, there's a bunch of guys. They're going to do it anyways, you know, and I'd misinterpret what's so It makes a lot of sense to me, but I never really yeah. thought about it. It, it, it kind of is something that causes you should self-reflect on this a little bit more, I think, um, yeah. in different situations. Yeah, but e- even with these two, you go into your book a little deeper, um, mm. and you talk about, you know, complexity, simple and complex in, in, in these bias. So what would be, yeah. you know, directional complex versus directional simple? What's the difference? Yeah, so that's a re- another good question. So like we said that there are two forms of bias, directional and reverse. But directional bias can be broken down into two types. So um, there's simple directional bias and complex directional bias, right? Or simple bias and complex bias, right? So mm-hmm. simple uh, directional bias are what are commonly known as microaggressions, right? These are mm-hmm. subtle slights towards you, comments and behaviors. And maybe mm-hmm. let's say I'm a person who's in a in a wheelchair, right? Mm-hmm. A, a wheelchair-bound person. And um, whilst um, that may um, cause me to um, get around differently from the majority, you know, if I'm in a workplace and people are constantly trying to push me around and help me, you know, that's... Ca- that's kind of like an exclusion, an exclusion mm. microaggression. It's saying you're different, you need our help. And, you know, if they're, if, if they're doing it all the time. So that would be a microaggression. Or what used to happen to me, I, you know, I, I would speak a lot. And back in the day, people would, especially in the embryonic stages, people would mm. say to me, well, after I'd done a talk, they would say, oh, you know, Bookie, you speak so well. This would tend to be, you know, I'm an ethnic minority. This would tend to be the majority, so white leaders and stuff. Mm-hmm. They'd say, oh, Bookie, you speak so well, right? <laughs> and I would yeah. see that as a, like, why internally my dialogue would be, you know, what do you mean I speak so well? It's because of uh, 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 my race and ethnicity, your surprise. It's a backhanded compliment. This was my internal yes. dialogue, right? And it would really um, kind of upset me, right? And yeah. um, I would see that as a microaggression. Right? Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, because it's kind of exclusion, yeah. a backhanded compliment. Right. Uh, sometimes I got it wrong, and we can talk about that in a bit. But let, I would see that as a microaggression. And so mm-hmm. um, that was uh, a kind of simple directional bias. So, mm-hmm. to co- so those are two examples of simple directional bias. Complex directional bias, right, is when um, is the stuff in between that you can't put your hands on, that it's hard to prove. It's kind of subjective. Mm-hmm. So let's say I'm, you know, there's a there's a, a a senior role for a leader, and I think I'm better than the people that have been shortlisted for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only better, um, I've got better qualifications, and uh, yet I haven't been shortlisted, right? 
yeah. that is what is complex about it. Because it's difficult to prove. Because if somebody's decision based on 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 their you know on on, on their mm-hmm. interpretation of who they feel is better for the role. So that's mm-hmm. complex bias because it's hard to prove. It's just I call mm-hmm. it the stuff in between. The uh, stuff or in between. Yeah, or I'm not given a job or something. So that would be yeah. complex. So that's the difference between simple and complex bias. And now mm-hmm. the reverse bias, simple and complex. This simple and complex reverse bias is just the reverse of those two. That's mm-hmm. when I misinterpret microaggressions. Yeah towards me that would become my bias so that's reverse my reverse microaggression or reverse simple mm-hmm. bias and mm-hmm. uh when i misinterpret perfectly reasonable reasons for not shortlisting me for a senior role right as driven by directional bias again that would be my uh, complex reverse bias mm-hmm. Does make yeah. sense it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And, it, you know, as you break this down, it brings me to your, your you know, your navigation tool, your solution with the IDU. Um, yeah. You know, I don't understand. So, I mean, because to learn, you know, listening to this, the IDU makes perfect sense. So can you start to talk about that a little bit? Okay. So I'm going to show you how we use the IDU methodology for both simple and complex bias, right? Yeah. So... For simple bias, when people used to say to me, you speak so well, Bookie, and I would get all upset about it internally. Mm-hmm. And I would say, well, you know, I, internally I'd have this negative dialogue. Um, I decided I need to deal with this. I need to mm-hmm. respond, right? And the mm-hmm. other thing, which is just an aside, this always used to happen to me in the morning, really in the morning. So it ended up ruining my lunch. You know, it ended up ruining, and, and lunch is way too important to be ruined. So I thought I really need to sort this out. Right? So, yeah. So, <laughs> So, um, anyway, so um, I came up with a process, right? A three-step process for dealing with microaggressions, right? Three-step process, right? So the first was to um, always give the person the benefit of the doubt, right? Mm -hmm. Whenever you sense uh, 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 some kind of incivility, some kind of microaggression, just give the person the benefit of the doubt, even if you're 100% sure that there's something negative or, or some kind of infraction there. And then step two right, is light reconditioning, light reconditioning, right? So Mm -hmm. uh, if a person says to me now, you speak so well, I just assume they think I speak well, right? Mm -hmm. And and there's nothing there, right? So that's my giving them the benefit of the doubt. But if I think there might be something there, or just in case, I might say, you sound surprised, which Mm -hmm. would be, that's the light reconditioning. And then Mm -hmm. move on, which is the third step. Just move on and enjoy your lunch. So step one is um, give them the benefit of the doubt. Step two is light reconditioning. And uh, step three is move on and enjoy enjoy your lunch. So that was how Mm -hmm. to deal with um, microaggressions. And Mm -hmm. see, the problem with microaggressions is not the one comment that you get. It's the accumulation of unchecked comments that you get, Mm -hmm. which causes the dis-ease and the tension and the... um, poor well-being and so on. So if you can yeah. stop it in its tracks, it's not going to happen again, right? Um, mm-hmm. But the problem is people 
don't stop it. What they do is 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 say nothing, and that creates a tension right. internally, and uh, you know, and and, it, and it's tacit approval to the other person, so they'll keep doing it, and before you know it, you, you've got a serious underlying tension going on. So mm-hmm. that's how to deal with uh, simple bias. Now, complex bias. Now, this is the stuff which I think really causes the underrepresentation of minorities and marginalized groups in senior and high-profile roles, and this is the stuff that really stifles people's career, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I think in terms of do- dealing with that, there are basically four steps, yeah, four steps. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so the first step is in this IDU process is to give, is to, is to drop your baggage, leave your mm-hmm. baggage um, in, in, at the door, to leave yeah. your baggage at the door. So this is baggage that you have every right to be carrying. So racial mm-hmm. bias baggage, gender bias right. baggage, sexual orientation yeah. baggage, disability baggage. You've got to, you know, you, you, you know, based on what you can see around you and representation in roles in your company, it's, you know, it's understandable that you might be suspicious that at sometimes you're, you're not getting the same opportunity mm-hmm. as others. Right. But you need to drop that baggage. Now, there are many. Why do you think you need to drop that baggage? Let me ask you a question, Kimberly. Why do you think you need to drop that baggage into when you're dealing with trying to deal with uh, this bias? Because I can't, I can't um, look at the situation. Um, I was going to say unbiased. I can't look at the situation clearly if I don't drop the baggage. Um, I'm already, um, you know, uh, looking at it from. Probably the history, probably a history, yeah. historical. You're trying to predict based on past experiences, I would think. Yeah, too. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think the first thing that you said is bang on the money. You can't look yeah. at it clearly. It's like, I don't yeah. know, have you seen karate? Did you watch the film Karate Kid, the original? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, the Mr. Original, Miyagi sorry. and Daniel mm-hmm. LaRusso, whatever his name is. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, Daniel was on this, you know, Daniel was being bullied and he's been, and, he, and he's learned, he's taught how to do karate. Yeah. And he's at his final fight. He's in this competition. He's at his final fight, and he's been winning, and he's been winning. But then he starts to remember all the bullying, and he gets really scared. And Mr. Miyagi, mm-hmm. who's a sage, a Japanese sage, says to him, um, uh, Daniel, um, uh, empty your head. Empty your head. Mm-hmm. And the reason yep. why he's saying exactly. he's empty his head is so that he can have clarity, right? Mm-hmm. And it's exactly yep. the same thing when you're confronted with sensed bias, right? The first thing is to drop your baggage, uh, um, right, um, because that gives you clarity, right? yeah. and, and, yeah. and and in our process, it's the only way to get to step two. So the question then becomes, well, what is step two, right? So step two is give everybody the benefit of the doubt, give them the mm-hmm. benefit of the doubt. So just assume that it's you and it's not them, or that there's something that you don't know. Just give them the benefit of the doubt. So l- let me just retract there. Step one is leave the baggage in the lobby, leave the baggage at the yep. door. Step two is give everybody the benefit of the doubt. But here's the rub. Call out the bias anyway. Call out mm-hmm. the bias anyway. So whenever I'm doing workshops and, 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 and talks, people say to me, how can you give them the benefit of the doubt but call them out anyway? Well, the way to give them the benefit of the doubt and call them out is to say these three powerful words. I don't understand. I don't mm-hmm. understand. It's the purest. It's the most unscathed place you can come from. We call this engaging in developmental inquiry, dispassionate developmental inquiry. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just tell them, just tell them you don't understand. And when you mm-hmm. turn that that statement into a question that I don't understand into a question, what happens is that you invoke our natural instinct to give direction. That is, mm-hmm. the other person will say, "Well, what don't you understand?" 
or they'll right. say to, or they'll say to you um let me explain and now mm-hmm. you're into a sticky con- an otherwise sticky conversation about bias mm-hmm. which would be challenging to get into and the key is yeah. to, sorry go on yeah, and also I think it makes them it makes them rethink it. You know, it, you've given them the benefit of the doubt, but if there's there's something behind them, when you say I don't understand, uh, their brain starts to rethink. Let me. Yeah. How can I explain? Okay, you know. <laughs> exactly, and and then the key yeah. is, but and the key is to engage in this developmental mm-hmm. inquiry. And so you know, this I don't understand type questioning, and what you're going to find is in the process, one of two things happens: either the bias towards you the directional bias towards you will call itself out. So you don't need to say to the person, you gave the job to her, but you didn't give it to me. You shortlisted this yeah. person. Did. That will actually come out in the course of the conversation. Or mm-hmm. what will happen, and this is what people aren't ready for, which is really important, or what will happen is that your own reverse bias, that is your mm. misinterpretation, will call itself yeah. out, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can move to step four, and collaboratively agree next step. So those are the four okay. steps. Step one, this is the get, um, leave your baggage in the lobby. Step two, give them the benefit of the doubt. Step three, but call them out anyway using uh, I don't understand. And step four, collaboratively agree next steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really, really insightful things. I mean, I read the book and it's fantastic. So we're, we're going to take another break. And um, when we come back, I want to... We talk about the collaboration. I want to talk about how you actually go in to organizations and um, and try to to work with you know organizations on on ensuring that this is done and what kind of obstacles you find when you're trying to navigate and teach this I, IDU method within organizations and what are you know what are the benefits that come out of the organization. So we'll talk about that after the break. And for our listeners, we are talking with Buki Mosaku, and he is um, the CEO of the London-based Diversity City Tank, and he's one of the world's leading workplace bias navigation experts, and he has a great book, and a lot of this is in his book. It's all in his book, and the book is I Don't Understand, Navigating Unconscious Bias in the Workplace, and you can reach out to him on his website under www.bukimosaku.com. And he's also on LinkedIn under Buki Masako. And Masako is M-O-S-A-K-U. And uh, Buki is B-U-K-I. And so please reach out to him and do get the book. And this broadcast is also brought to you, Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. Uh, they also have a e-learning platform free for founders and entrepreneurs, and they have a lot of market research. They do conferences, and their next conference is May 12th to 15th in Berlin, Germany. So please go to www.cinda.org to learn more about them. And with that, we are going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. How do you cultivate braver, more daring leaders? And how do you embed the value of courage in your culture? How do you take charge of your life and achieve your goals and bring about positive changes that propel you forward? On The Leader's Edge, join your hosts, Steve and Ernie, as they bring a mix of insights in personal and leadership growth that shapes your culture and the culture around you. 
Lean in and learn intentionally how to accelerate into your next best life. Tune into The Leader's Edge with Ernalita DeCumos and Steve Steele, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Tune in to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates radio program to discover exactly what to consider with your money now in light of the current economic and investing environment. Host Dennis Tubergen, a four-time best-selling author and consultant to the financial industry, analyzes the current investing climate and interviews some of the brightest minds on the planet in the fields of investing, economics, and finance. Weekly episodes of the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates radio program available at 12 p.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking with... Buki Mosaku, and he is the CEO of the London-based diversity think tank, and he's one of the world's leading workplace bias navigations expert. Um, he's the author of the book, I Don't Understand, Navigating Unconscious Bias in the Workplace. And we've been talking about the different kinds of biases before the break, um, directional and reverse biases, and how you really implement this this IDU, IDU um, uh, method that he's using to try to break through biases, and we explained that before the break. And so I want to I want to come back to that. So you were talking about the um, the complex biases. Okay, we talked about dropping the baggage, then giving somebody the benefit of doubt, um, and then um, calling it out anyways. And then getting to collaboration. So let's let's talk about this last step of collaboration. I'm, I mean, you've gone through this process. How do you create that environment that really opens dialogue and about bias and fosters learning about it? Yeah. So look, I think it's really important for leaders, you know, to uh, openly acknowledge and accept. Uh, what I describe as the multi-directional nature, the two-way street mm-hmm. nature of career-stifling workplace bias, of unconscious bias. Because once you accept that, then um, uh, we can show people how to navigate it, right? Um, but unless you accept that, what you're saying is that um, that we are actually different. There are certain people who are more likely to be who you know who have this kind of unconscious bias disease that they play that they put on others um, as opposed to recognizing that in the moment it's actually quite fluid and looking at it from a one-way street perspective is quite a simplistic way of doing things so I think the first thing is 
accept the multi-directional nature. And this is something that we, we get leaders and people managers to understand. The other side of it is to um, not to conflate, right, um, uh, resolution models for um, wider social injustice, right, mm -hmm. with um, solutions for workplace bias. I call in my book, I describe it as the out there in here model. So if something mm -hmm. was to happen to me out there, you know, if, if um, I was on the receiving end of, I don't know, let's say I'm a woman, misogynistic attack or racial attack or, mm -hmm. or, or homophobic, whatever, or disability attack, right? I, I have very, I have limited uh, resolution options. So I could, you mm -hmm. know, I can report to the police, I can... Um, I can lobby my representative in government, protest in peace and lobby my representative in government. I can resist and get into a physical altercation or I can, uh, or I can um, seek legal redress. These are all, um, these solutions, these res this resolution model begins and ends um, with leadership and authority, right? Mm -hmm. That's basically all I can do out there. However, mm -hmm. in here, which is the workplace, right? There's an ocean of dialogue-driven opportunity, right? Dialogue-driven mm -hmm. opportunity to navigate bias, right? Um, uh, which you and I and everybody else can use if they're taught how to navigate bias. But the problem mm -hmm. is, and this is what all these kind of celebrity activists and authors are doing, is that they conflate that model of out there, of mm -hmm. going to the top, to address unconscious bias, they conflate that model um, out there of wider social injustice, sorry. Uh, they conflate that resolution model with uh, the resolution model for bias in the workplace. And actually, they're different. There's a similarity mm -hmm. that in the, in the workplace, there's a wider uh, uh, opportunity. There's wider opportunity through dialogue to navigate bias. So these are things, mm -hmm. these are mindset things that we get leadership um, to understand. Because... If they, if they approach things in the way that you would do in terms of dealing with wider social injustice, what you end up doing is subscribing to what I described as a guilty perpetrator versus hapless victim model, which means you go down an eradication route where you're saying mm -hmm. to people that we need to eradicate bias from these perpetrators. And of course, as we know, as we've said, you can't eradicate bias. So you start to waste your time. And you just need to look at the stats and the figures to see that this is creating a diversity and exclusion, exclusion mm -hmm. not included, exclusion nightmare. If you look mm -hmm. at the Fortune 500, right, um, there are 53 female CEOs in the Fortune mm -hmm. 500. That's ridiculous. Yeah. In a country where yeah. uh, there are 50.5% are female, 51% of the people are female. In the, uh, if you look at the... Fortune 500, there are only seven black CEOs, right? That, mm -hmm. again, is yep. ridiculous. And these numbers have gone up. They went up. Like, mm -hmm. in 2020, there were four black CEOs. 2021, mm -hmm. there were five. And then it kind of jumped between 2022 and 23 to seven. Mm -hmm. And the same with females CEOs. It jumped from uh, 43, sorry, from 44 in 2021 to kind of, 2022, 23 to 53. Now that looks like mm -hmm. a huge jump, but if you notice, the jumps are drastic. Why do you think that's happening? What, what do you think is causing that shift? 
Well, well, you know, I the first thing you said when you thought that I thought about the EU legislation on women on boards, okay? And I thought that's right. an out there solution that probably yeah. caused more stress in companies <laughs> than listening to the navigation or trying to do what you're talking about and finding out the yeah. real solutions, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I think that these I think that that jump that which looks big, but it isn't yeah. really, right? Right? Is 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 driven by pressure. Right, it's driven yeah, by yeah, pressure. Yeah, exactly, it's not. Yep. It's not organic. It's so it's, an yeah. arti- it's artificial. But I think if you equipped everybody with the skills to call out sensed career stifling bias, yep. you'd expedite the pace of of that increase, and it'd be far more. Uh, but of course, that's not going to happen if you have a one way street view of it, because you exclude yeah. the people um, who are being who are on the wrong end of bias from the resolution model. But when you mm-hmm. equip them with skills to navigate it and you equip the majority, suddenly you fast track the pace. So this is so to answer your question, your original question, the first element that we do with the organizations is shifting their mindset, shifting their mm-hmm. paradigm and getting them to accept this two-way street nature of workplace bias. And then um, you, by definition, when you accept the multi-directional nature of workplace bias, by definition, you come up with more inclusive solutions. You mm-hmm. have to because you're involving everybody yeah. as opposed to just leaving it to this exclusive club uh, of, of, of traditional guilty perpetrators. So yeah, yeah. this is how we start to embed embed it. And then there are initiative, you know, there are practical things that we do, which uh, in terms of giving skills to people. Mm-hmm. And what just a quick question. When you when you start to do it, what is the biggest obstacle you come across? Is it history or is it? You know, that leadership mm. don't buy into it, or is it, you know, this, for example, yeah. this, this legislative, what's the biggest obstacle that, that you have to jump over when you start to do this? So this is really good. So there are two, that's a really good question. There are two obstacles, right? So at, on a day-to-day level, at an interpersonal level, well, in fact, sorry, the biggest obstacle, and then I'll show you how it breaks down, but the biggest obstacle to navigating effectively navigating career-stifling unconscious bias is what I describe as defensive fragility. Defensive mm-hmm. fragility, right? Not to be confused with white fragility. And mm-hmm. defensive fragility is the propensity for people to get upset when you paint them in a neg- uh-huh. negative light, right? So that's the you biggest it, obstacle. Yep. So on a personal level, right, on a, on a day-to-day interpersonal level, the challenge is how do I call out someone, right, without mm-hmm. getting them upset? Yeah, that's, that's on a personal level. On an institutional and corporate level, the biggest obstacle is is people are so proud of all the great stuff that they've done <laughs> in terms of DEI that for you to dare challenge or, or at least say that there, there could be a better way or there's an evolutionary <laughs> approach you know causes nightmares people start telling me they've got awards i'm like well done what do you want a mask bar you know you want you've got an award for what for being nice you know so people start telling me they've got awards and uh, you know they, how dare i suggest that there could be a better way and so um that's a huge obstacle and again this is a form of institution institutional or corporate defensive fragility. So we have to find a way of overcoming those two things on an interpersonal level and at a corporate level. I, I was thinking of the human resource wall. Okay, you know, we've, yeah. we've done so many programs. Why do we need another one? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, well, look at the, is it working? I always say to them, is what you're doing now working? And if it is, that's great. Leave it alone. Yeah, but if yeah. it's not, yeah, you need to look I still at haven't it. Fit. I'm still trying to figure out what the definition of the human resource department is. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been trying to do that for 25 years, but um, no, I um, no that that's that that's those that's really interesting, and I can imagine that um, we're we're getting we're getting down towards our time. Uh, but there's one question I want to ask you, okay? Um, mm. the, the, this collaboration, I can really imagine yeah. as you get that fourth process, that also yeah. helps team with you know conflict resolution skills. It helps them mm. develop new skills. Yeah. Is, is that is that what you see as you get towards this, you know, complex and in the collaboration um, yeah, well, but, field? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, look, you know, uh, there's a couple of levels to this. I, I, you know, at an interpersonal level, if we, you know, if collaborative, if we get into this and the whole conversation is collaborative, is, you know, but if we, if yep. we, if we sort of call out bias be, and we end up calling, identifying or unearthing either directional or reverse bias, then what we can do is work with the person or persons uh, um, to a collaboratively agree next steps, which are going to sort out the problem. So let's say mm-hmm. um, I sensed career stifling bias towards me correctly, and I unearthed it in a very in a way which didn't invoke defensive fragility, that didn't upset my boss or anything like mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah. Typically, if the boss senses that there's been an inch justice, an unconscious injustice to you by the system or by them or by both, normally what they will do is work with you to resolve Mm -hmm. that in a collaborative way. Mm -hmm. And the way to do that is we call that seeking worthy recompense. So they will Mm -hmm. help you as an individual seek worthy recompense uh, for your loss. And typically people are quite, you know, aggressive is the wrong word, proactive when they see somebody has been hard done by, right? Uh, in, in resolving it, so in the book we we go into details of how do you how do you resolve how do you seek worthy recompense and how does mm-hmm. a, a, a leader help with that? So that's the first yeah. that, that's the first way. I think um, and and so you talk about conflict resolution that resolves uh, 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 um, the con- mm. potential conflict because people are working together to come up with a solution. Uh, the mm. other side of this is. Let's say you do you follow these four step process and it, you know you still can't get the other person to buy into uh, in, into the bias towards you. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what what, what, what yes. you know you at least have a a, a a a trail of a discussion that you mm-hmm. can now take to your friends at HR. Kimberly, so you have a trail, right? Yeah. That you can take to HR and say, okay, yeah. this is what happened. This is the conversations that we had and we weren't able to resolve it. And now they right. can work with you Perfect. to try and resolve things. But the problem is that people are going to HR with things that they imagining. Uh, imagine are happening to them and they don't yeah. have any kind of concrete uh, trail to show yeah. what's happened to them because they haven't had any collaborative discussion. Difficult so I think it. from that perspective, it really helps in terms of conflict yeah. resolution as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is great. Um, and um, sorry, I'm dumping on HR today, but uh, <laughs> anyways, um, um, 
Okay, we're at the end. Um, uh, we only have like two minutes left. Uh, one last word for our listeners, because I think this is absolutely, uh, we could go to a whole nother show and talk about this some more. I love this subject. Um, one, if you had one, uh, one word, one sentence for our, our listeners to think about, what would that be? Okay, so I may have said this, but I think it's worth reiterating. Yes. If, if, if the readers, if, you're, if listeners were to leave here with just one thing, it's just accept the multi-directional nature mm-hmm. of yeah. workplace bias. That is, it's a two-way street, not a one-way street. And accepting it doesn't mean that we're discounting all of the inequity towards certain groups. It just means that when you accept the multidirectional nature, you accept that we are the same. And when you accept that we are the same and that we are all part of the solution, by definition, your resolution model will be collaborative and inclusive. Super. Great closing words. And thank you so much. And for our listeners, we've been talking to Buki Mosaku, and he is the CEO of the London-based Diverse City Think Tank and one of the world's leading workplace bias navigations experts. He is the author of I Don't Understand, Navigating Unconscious Bias in the Workplace, available on Amazon. He also has a lot of information on his website under www.bukimosaku.com. And he He's also on LinkedIn if you'd like to reach out to him under Buki Mosako. And this show has also been brought to you by Cinda, one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. And they hold trainings, conferences, do market research and legislative white papers focused on digital. They also have a... Uh, e-learning platform for entrepreneurs and founders, uh, which will take an entrepreneur and founder from an idea to an exit. And they also have a conference, and the next conference is coming up May 12th to 15th in Berlin, Germany. So go to www.cinda.org and look them up. And once again, we're at the end. Buki, thank you so much. It's been really a pleasure having you. And thank you, I hope Kim to have you again, okay? and Definitely. Yeah. I'd love to. Yeah. And uh, listeners, then please tune in us every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And don't forget, if you miss us, we are all over the web. And just look us under Leadership Beyond Borders. And thank you. And until next week. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.